Vistatalk's interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, and today I'm delighted to be joined in Studio 2 by Emil Atanasov. Emil is the VP Internationalization at ServiceNow. You're very welcome, Emil. Thanks for having me. I look forward to our conversation. I look forward to it too. Well, without further ado, Emil, let's move on and get on to the show because I know uh, some of us, myself included, and some of our audience wants to know, get to know you. And first, I'd like to jump into the conversation by congratulating ServiceNow on winning a Fin Global Award in the category of digital uh, transformation at 21 and Rantarani. That's a fantastic achievement. So uh, tell me, why did it mean? What, what, what was it for ServiceNow to enter the program and win? What was your reaction, you know, upon learning that the organization had won this year? Absolutely delighted. Uh, essentially, we got recognized by some of our peers. Uh, and it's an important milestone. It brings a bit of confidence to the team. But in addition to that, the reality is we are part of this digital evolution. We work for a company that has an amazing product and that product clearly has brought some of, of uh, you know, the best and most delightful digital experiences out there. So to get another confirmation was great. Um, I wish we were in a place where we could do an in-person celebration. I'm sure that would have probably been the one thing I that, that I, I, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would have enjoyed. Uh, but humbled, at the same time, uh, very appreciative. I personally, was jumping in between meetings and attending the event and jumping back out. So I heard through one of my colleagues who was like, hey, we just won this. And I was, I was pretty happy to, to be honest. It was, uh, it was a good, um, good news. And I have challenged the team. Let's make it two in a row. So next year, again, we need to develop something even better and more wow, impressive. Wow, wow. Sounds very promising. Well, we definitely look forward to seeing uh, Service now entering the, the fifth year of the Fingal Wall Awards. Very exciting. We've got a lot of, of plans coming up, so stay tuned, yourself and anyone listening or watching this interview. And, uh, and speaking of the Fing Global Awards and the Fing Global Forum, of course, you have attended a, a number of events, the Fing Global Forum, throughout the year. You're also one of its farm executives. So um, tell me, what does, what does it mean to you? What do you look forward to in attending these unique events? Uh, yes, indeed, I have attended several of those. Um, learning, sharing, I think one of the pitfalls of the localization industry and internationalization industry has been that we try to safeguard some stuff and then we openly share a lot of others. But I think um, to me, that's the being with like-minded people, getting essentially that extra reassurance that we all need that we're on the right track or, hey, we are not on the right track, let's actually uh, fix that and let's, um, you know, adjust. Um, it's an event I enjoy. It's an event that I would gladly partake at any available time that I have because it, it has some of the best minds in the space. In addition to that, it's a very good discussion forum. I always have found those discussions to be very uh, insightful. And um, Frankly, it's it's an important check and balance step because a lot of times we do stuff and we have the multiple internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, but it's good to know what else everybody else is doing. And um, it's a sanity check for me. Uh, and it's also humbling to see people that have been doing what we are doing in ServiceNow for the last you know, three to, let's say, eight years prior to me joining. They've been doing uh, internationalization and globalization, but there are people there that have been doing it for 25 years. So that to me is like, that's pretty, pretty cool. 
uh, it's it's a great experience. I, I gladly take part of those in future as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Emil. Yes, this is the, absolutely one of the reasons why we love hosting the Think Global Forum to welcome new organizations such as ServiceNow and and, uh, and and experts like yourself, you know, to discuss opportunities and challenging with, you know, challenges with everyone, you know, whether they are starting they're, you know, they're on the way to, to take their business global or, you know, or, uh, or just, you know, improving and wanting to change things. So thank you very much. So now um, let's talk about ServiceNow. I'm very curious. ServiceNow is known as the platform of platforms and comments that behind every great experience is a great workflow. It becomes the foundation for all digital workflows. The now platform connects people, functions, and systems across an organization. So let's talk about your career and your position at ServiceNow. I understand that you started your career becoming a research assistant tutor at the University of Wisconsin River Falls in the USA, uh, and you assisted students in history, sociology, anthropology, and geography, amongst many other responsibilities. So first, uh, before getting to ServiceNow, how did you end up joining the localization industry? I'm really curious by chance, as I think most people do. Um, I didn't have passion for languages. I didn't understand much about localization. It was one of those uh, uh, situations where it was pure chance. Um, I ended up on the LSP site and I spent a bit over 10 years uh, moving across different geographies. I um, started in the US and came to Ireland. It's my second tour of duty uh, here, so and then off to Singapore for almost seven years. Uh, so yeah, so going from a very academic type of education, and as you mentioned, even my first job was uh, uh, in essence during my postgraduate studies, I was doing some assistantship stuff and I was working on some research papers. I wrote a, a paper on, for example, the perception of American independence during the war of independence, you know, mm -hmm. because people probably see it as something else. Yeah. Um, as you can see, probably wasn't the most exciting subject. I don't know how many people have read that. Um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed working on that stuff. And then localization just happened. It's one of those industries that I think now that I know a lot more about it, there's probably other routes to get there. Uh, but yeah, it started with purely, hey, uh, there's a job opportunity. There's an interesting job. Um, it probably in those early stages in my career, there was a bit of romanticizing in the industry. Hey, you know, it's a global industry. You get to do this, you get to travel, you get to uh, be amongst other people that speak other languages. So uh, yeah, that's my career journey. I mean, it, it's probably not an unusual one for the globalization industry. We all end up here one way or another, probably smaller percentage does so by design, um, but it's been a enjoyable journey. So I hope to, to make that better in future. And obviously the main point about this is we all keep on learning, keep improving. Awesome. There's just so much out there and having that open mindset and growth mindset that you receive by some of those things like studying history and, and anthropology, you apply that to your day-to-day -day experience, yeah. which is rewarding too. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're 100% right. And moving to your current role at uh, ServiceNow, where you are, I mentioned, the VP internationalization of the organization. Uh, my understanding of ServiceNow, correct me if I'm wrong, that ServiceNow is one of the fastest growing cloud enterprise software companies in the world, which is pretty big. So tell us about the organization for our audience who wouldn't necessarily be familiar with it or for anyone who would like to know more and, and about your current role there. 
Yeah, so I'll start more with ServiceNow. So I think you, you mentioned a very good point in relation to foundation for digital workflows and how the platform connects people, functions, and systems across an organization, but it also connects them across the globe. The majority of our customers are global organizations. They tend to be uh, ones that are looking for essentially digitalizing experiences. And part of that, if you have to truly be inclusive to all of your employees, is providing it in multiple languages and being able to do global deployments because you want to provide the same experience that you provide to somebody in the US, to somebody in Germany, and to somebody in Hong Kong. The reality is you have to at that stage. Um, so ServiceNow as a company, uh, ServiceNow has been around actually not that long. Uh, it was started by a gentleman by the name of Fred Luddy about 12, 13 years ago, I think now, or maybe a few more. Um, it was started in San Diego, in California, and he was actually, he wanted to start it before the age of 50. So he started it literally like a few days before he turned 50. Um, he came from uh, another company within the ITSM space and ServiceNow initially was IT system management company. We then added additional um, industries, additional verticals, additional personas. Um, and, and now it has turned into this single platform, which is super fascinating, but a platform that plays nice with others so we can integrate with many companies. Um, but if you think about it, the main personas that we are trying to solve there is the employee persona to some of our HR pieces. We also have an IT persona, we have low code um, process, et cetera. Um, and the reality of what ServiceNow has become, it has become a necessity. Uh, in, in work from home situations, gaining those 10 to 15% of your time to actually be able to do something else is much appreciated. So. I'll give you a few basic examples of various um, of, of workflows, various workflows that we provide onboarding of employees. That's done through our platform. We also have IT tickets. You need to request a computer. You're actually going to automate that. Or you need to request a phone. We have some amazing um, IT operational management pieces. We have phenomenal performance and analytics on that, so you get a lot of the data. We're also developing a number of applications that are essentially sitting on top of that platform. Um, and some of those um, that we are even working now are legal workflows. So essentially we believe you can workflow, you can put a process around a lot of pieces. Yeah. The other thing that's fundamental to service now is we've, we've taken a very strong stand in relation to, hey, what's gonna happen that work in the future? Are we gonna like automate everything and remove a whole mm -hmm. bunch of people? No. We're just going to remove the 10, 15% of your day that you really hate to do. You're going to automate, you're going to streamline, you're going to improve that across verticals, across geos. And then the rest, you actually get to be more productive and to be better self if you're able to do that. Um, you know, have more time to do the things that you're truly passionate about. So my personal example is expenses for travel, which I haven't had to do. So it's not a super relevant one, but I just don't like to do those what yeah. if i can i automate that so my uber receipts shows automatically into my expense report which actually it does but uh, there's still a bit of manual handling there so think about service now as a solution providing that uh now specific to my role which was the second part of your question so i look after internationalization which is essentially the engineering side of things uh is how do you build a product that is localizable globally how do you build it and provide it in a same manner of experience that you do um, 
with your source, with your English uh, content. Um, we have a, the purpose of the team is providing user experience in other than English that is equal to the English one. Um, I, I know it sounds like it, it's it's either some people say, well, that's that's a purpose you should actually probably make grander or you should actually scale it down. But but no, I think that's the purpose we truly need because it's uh, that's the value. That's what we add to the company, and that's what we are trying to to enable the company to do. That we can go to any client and say, it doesn't matter what the geographical boundaries are, the usability of our product is identical across those. Um, three years with the company as of two days ago or three days ago. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. I've, I've enjoyed it tremendously. Um, it's been a fun, fun journey and it's been a challenging journey. It's been a journey about building muscles and this last year, we have built new muscles of how do you manage everything remotely? How do you uh, make sure that everybody gets a voice? Because you know, in, in a remote structure, that's that's just not there. Uh, yeah, so I look forward to uh, many more exciting developments from the team. And, and I just, uh, as cliche as it sounds, I, I work with some amazing professionals and that probably makes my life easier and my job a lot easier. But the entire internationalization, globalization, globalization organization that I'm part of, uh, my job is more to, about supporting them and making sure that they receive what they need to, uh, because there's a lot of thought leadership there and a lot of executional leadership, which, uh, again, makes life easier. Well, thank you, Emil. Uh, that was uh, really interesting. I suddenly started to think of some uh, websites or application that I could automate thinking how could I save some of my time with all the different software and website that we use for instance in a marketing department which is so important as you mentioned uh, uh, so that that's really interesting so you talk about the concept of internationalization I just wanted to dig a little bit more into the concept um, so like the definition of internationalization would be to say that internationalization ensures that a process or application works without any language or local dependency, what you explain. So um, can you maybe take us through this concept a little bit more? Because I'm keen to know why is it important, so important for organizations wishing to grow their business internationally? Well, it's, it's on one side necessity, but on the other side, it's actually piece of the go-to-market strategy. So if, if, if your go-to-market strategy doesn't include local language support, which is just a small piece of the puzzle, you have to also think about customer service representatives that speak the language, marketing materials, and, um, and other marketing tools. Then you have to think about, for example, the end journey, product documentation, uh, guides on how to use it, et cetera. Why is it important? It's important because without a proper internationalization experience within the companies, you need to develop, you need to enable your developers to actually be sufficient versus policing them and introducing a number of checkpoints. Without that step existing, again, the go-to-market experience is not great. Your geo sales teams are gonna struggle because they wouldn't be able to be on the same playing field as some of the local uh, competitors. Uh, and you introduce one thing that I personally think is, is, is probably a horrible experience. And I talk about experiences a lot, but internationalization gives you that, gives you usability and experience, but mixed language experience. Just think about if things are hard-coded, very simple mistake that we've all seen, 
whole bunch of strings are hard coded. Suddenly you're going to sell that product to a specific market. Half of the product they can't even read, so they can't get to the other screen. Uh, so, so essentially, when you think about internationalization, you have to think of it as the building blocks as the framework that actually would enable you to do better in your localization, does improve the quality, does improve the usability, that does improving the user experience. And the main thing about user experience that you need to remember is that without a great user experience, without delighting your customers, you're not gonna last long time. Um, the growth we've seen at ServiceNow is because the workflow is both flexible, but also intuitive. And it, it is a piece that customers relate to. They see how this solves problems for them. The concept works. They have many items that they can automate. They have many scenarios they can use it. So essentially what happens next is why should you be discriminating in essence and just providing it to one audience? You have to do it for all audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that is how you grow a business. Uh, you take a business global. So that is purely, yeah, reason. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. And now I'd like to um, discuss the, the past year and the current you know, global situation with the pandemic and all obviously having affected so many of us in horrendous way. You mentioned um, uh, one of the, the services, one of the tools that ServiceNow provides, which I thought was very interesting, was the onboarding of, of, of new staff. And in this, the, the current situation that we're still all facing, and a lot of us though, um, this type of situation happens much more uh, on the virtual um, level. So, um, ServiceNow, I know, has also put a number, you know, of, of resources, including a COVID-19 community forum in place, you know, uh, for the customers and staff, which I thought was a great, great initiative. So can you tell us a little bit about this community? I'm quite curious about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, we also have a number of free applications there that were free in the beginning that, that uh, have the return to work pieces and few other pieces through, through the COVID framework. We also have a um, vaccination management uh, application that again is within our platform. So for example, uh, several even countries close to, to us here in Ireland are using the ServiceNow platform to schedule, to have people self-schedule uh, sure. the vaccination. So we've had a number of deployments. Uh, um, the big one is Scotland. I think we've been pretty public about that one, so it's not a secret, but uh, the National Health Services in Scotland are actually yeah. using that. And we have a uh, number of other ones. The initial emergency apps that we put in place, they were, the big statement there was they were free. So essentially anybody that wanted to use it and we were assigning demo instances at the time, they were able to use it so they can start monitoring mm -hmm. um, bits and pieces of returning back to some normalcy. So what's important is, uh, I'll, I'll take a step back. So when the COVID crisis hit, we literally had to flip, I think, 12, 13,000 people at the time to work from home. Uh, we also, as you mentioned, have the great onboarding. We have tools in relation to offboarding, even uh, if, you know, if people want to take time off, et cetera, from their careers. Uh, but the main thing then we did is our CEO actually went on the record and said, not only we're we not going to stop hiring, but we're going to keep on hiring people. And we're gonna keep on growing because there's need for companies with a purpose like ServiceNow that they're putting all these tools that would be used. So uh, that was quite reassuring. People felt a lot 
a lot safer about the future of the company. And then they knew that all they had to do is just deliver to their commitment and to their workload. And I know it's a very unfortunate situation. It's, it's a horrific time for people, especially that are alone, for those that are juggling between taking care of kids, taking care of loved ones that are, you know, potentially, um, you know, COVID uh, victims at the moment. Like if you look at India, what's happening there, we, we have, uh, uh, I think, 2,000 plus people there. So obviously we all have to support each other and help each other through these times. Uh, but to me, the, the great purpose of the company was, hey, these COVID applications, let's do them free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember we actually was one of the first applications per se that we localized. And at that point we looked at the, the, the regions that we thought well, we need to help these regions right away. So obviously China was a big one. We wanted to address that. And then we translated that into eight languages. And we have went through so many waves that I think that initial like a midnight call of, hey, this is exactly what we were doing. This is what we're not doing was, was such a yeah, naive exercise because we should have just done them in the 22 languages that we officially support. But wow. we were not ready for this. We were sitting there making plans. Okay, if I, if I get COVID, here's who's going to back me up and here's who's going to back up that person. And we had to literally do it um, in a matter of days. Um, I do hope that I see parts of the world are getting back to normal. So I do hope, uh, I do hope we get yeah. there. And we do have an application for return to work, which we're using ourselves. Uh, sadly, here in Ireland, that's not going to happen until um, September, most likely, based on what I have seen from the government. But we've seen other offices, so it has daily check-ins. You also are allowed, you can actually reserve your workspace through the application. So highly recommended. And I said there's a subset there that is free, so highly recommended uh, for anybody that's interested. It's it's not uh, like a service now. Uh, sales commitment it's purely experience that you can provide to your colleagues and employees if necessary that sounds fantastic yeah and so useful uh, as you mentioned in so many ways whether it's returning to to the office booking a space as you mentioned uh, some people might want specifically might become you know um sort of a golden ticket you know who gets those the free spots in any way so um Yeah, no, um, I see. There's a, probably a lot more of these applications that are going to be developed and uh, and uh, and being advertised. So I think so too. The beauty is that actually uh, it's different stages. So if you go back to stage one, the office available space is only 25%. Yeah. So it doesn't allow you to overbook and stuff. So it's pretty smart, actually. It works quite well. Interesting. Okay. And um, and so we're talking about uh, like the current stage of our society, and obviously, you know, as we mentioned, we're all very busy. It's a very much a fast-paced society that we live in, and it obviously has become more evident that businesses must continue to move ahead of their competitors in you know be creative and how to stand out of you know the crowd. So you've recently joined a panel of global localization experts for VistaTech's digital first strategy, and uh, I would like to know: is there anything that you could share, you know, on delivering more than um, just out of the box localized user experiences. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's again, it's my other big passion outside of actually me- measuring localization with usability. Um, we currently, and by we I mean the localization industry, we we currently look at items as either releases. Are we going to support that same same ship? Are we going to do n minus one? how are we gonna enable our clients to actually have a consumer grade experience when they are localizing, self-localizing content that they are generating? As I mentioned earlier, we have a platform, so do many others. 
But as a platform, you have to have an ability to be customized. Once you're customized, that content is not out of the box. So what tooling is needed so a customer can truly, truly self-localize and provide exactly the same usability as you have provided out of the box, having that enablement. Um, the, the, the short answer is that there's many ways to look at this and we probably tend to have two full pits there. One is like, I'm an expert, this is what it means. And the other one is we go to clients and we get feedback from clients and it could be contradictory. So uh, it's one of those situations where it must be done and it must be done properly. Um, sometimes designing it is easier than implementing it. So we are trying to currently to do a bit of both, uh, but the, at the end of the day, what you need to, how, how this should be looked at is we as an industry, we need to enable more usage. To enable more usage, that usage shouldn't be just on the English side, but should be essentially uh, carried across all the different locales and all the different languages. Self-localization or connecting to PMSs or just better connect connectivity is a must for us to be successful in the long term and to increase adaptation because the more intuitive that experience is, the higher the adaptation of your product or services. Okay, and um, speaking of better user experiences, you've recently commented on how you led your organization to move from manual processes, uh, enabling developers to work with automation systems. So I was interested to know, like the goal of service now is to delight their customers, obviously, and provide a good experience. So can you please expand on this? Yeah, so, so it's number of pieces that, that we're, we're talking about here. So we have a system where all the new code that gets checked goes through a validation. Uh, we also have um, some other processes where the way we actually deliver the localization package has changed. And now, now that it becomes as a, as a package versus an installation of number of plugins. The most important thing there is that we are actually shifting left, as a lot of people in the industry have used the term, we are going and we're solving problems for the developers because developers, they, they don't like to fix bugs. If you're just going to point out a whole bunch of bugs for them, it's not their favorite part of their job. They want to innovate. They want to be uh, you know, on the edge of that new and up and coming stuff. So yes, we've automated pieces. The team has done a great job with some of the parsing, has done a great job with that system of checks and balances. We are trying to get our development community to, we have with developer company ServiceNow was started by our developers until today, it's a techie uh, development company. So we want to enable these people to actually write better product uh, without having to verify everything or name or shame, shame and anything of that sort. So um, my advice to anybody that's in similar situation is, look at automation, look at partnering, looking at extending that uh, reach that you have internally, and also look at explaining the benefits and showing the benefits. A simple exercise um, that I haven't carried yet, but I've always thought would be a good one is actually get a non-native English speaker to walk through the applications that are you know, not um, I-18N compliant. So then the actual developer can see how their product might not be usable. So. Very interesting. Okay, thank you, Emil. Uh, and um, well, finally, before we end this interview, um, what's on the horizon for you? Oh, great question. Uh, first, I hope that everybody, uh, you know, gets back to a bit more of a normal um, environment, and uh, hopefully, we learn something from the COVID crisis. 
and we don't um, take things for granted. So that's on the personal side. On the work side, um, we are looking to do more and more and more, and that's a good thing. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, we are looking on some usability pieces. We are also looking at some of the how to enhance stuff that are above the out-of-the-box experience that we currently provide or the localization efforts that we provide. Uh, ServiceNow is heavily invested in machine learning and NOU pieces with contributors or owners and some of those. So this year, I think it's a very important year for us at ServiceNow to deliver more set precedents to become that global platform. But at the end of the day, um, I see this as the opportunity side, but I also, want to figure out a balance. So then the teams are not overworked. The people are not checking emails until midnight and, and uh, you know, working weekends. So I guess I'll split it in three. Hopeful, I, I'm optimist. So I think we have, you know, things will be back to normal. Uh, you know, kind of the current situation is a so much for us to, to do and so much to optimize. Maybe we can start automating stuff. That's a good idea. Cause you know, we should be the experts there. And the third one is, um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to see where um, this industry and where ServiceNow would go over the next year, but it's going to be a dynamic one. And hopefully so. we're all ready for it. <laughs> I know, I'd say you're very, very right in that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Emil. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today before we end this interview? Uh, thank you. I think that's it. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for, for mentioning the award. It was uh, it was great. And um, to anybody that's just starting in this industry, my advice is put yourself in the shoes of the customer. Talk to the customer. Talk to your customers' customers. Once you have that perspective, you're bound to make less mistakes. And also, don't worry, you make a lot of mistakes. I probably do two things right per year. So there you go. That's the that's the learning. Don't don't beat yourself too hard for it. Just get up and get to doing what you're passionate about. Thank you. Very, very wise words. Well, uh, thank you, Emil, again. Um, it is already the end of today's show, uh, unfortunately, but a fantastic conversation with Emil Atanasov. So thank you again. And uh, we might have you on the show later, uh, maybe later this year or next year. Who knows? You can tell us all about ServiceNow, a new, new um uh, new services or you know tools or any anything you know that would have changed with the, what well, I mean with the way that you know the, the things are going and hopefully improving you know and uh, and we'll be back in in, uh, in our offices next year and we can talk about a, a different perspective so please make sure to uh, again to see or listen to our next Vista Talk show where we'll be discussing more interesting topic with interesting people from all around the world bye